Good morning. You look good this morning. So good to be with you. Good to be with the family. All together on the campus here. Uh, this is a sweet morning to be together. So glad that you're with us. Happy New Year. I uh, hope that you have had a wonderful time. I uh, hope you've had some chance to relax and recoup a little bit over the break. And hopefully you've had a little bit of a break. And I hope that uh, it's been some time with family. I hope that you enjoyed your city group family last week as we studied God's word together in our city groups. That's where we meet in homes all over the city. And I hope that if you're not a part of one of those, that you would become a part of one, as Lawrence said, because it really is the heart of who we are. And it's the heart of what we see God doing with us missionally around this city. And so you need to be a part of one of those. Uh, so good to see you and be back together. Last Sunday, we, we stayed in our series in the book of Mark. And our groups studied this passage from Mark 6, right? You may remember that Jesus has gone back to his hometown, right? And which is normally such a good thing. It's so awesome when you get to go home, right? You get to be the place that's familiar and see the people that you love. That wasn't the case for Jesus, right? He gets to his hometown and even though he does a couple of miracles, even in their presence, they still just see Jesus that grew up in Nazareth. They don't see Jesus, Messiah, King of the world. And so because they don't see Jesus as Messiah, they don't have faith in him. They don't believe in him. And the sad reality is where there is no faith, God will limit what he will do. Isn't that sad? Where there is no faith, where we refuse to believe what God will do, he, it's not that he can't do miracles, it's that he won't. Jesus could have said, oh, you don't, you don't believe, watch this, right? He didn't do that. He did something else that I think is very interesting, and I want us to begin this morning looking at what he did do. He didn't hold a seminar on why you need to believe. Please believe me, I'm the Messiah. He didn't do that. What did Jesus do? He left. He moved on. And friends, the, the, the thing that's on my heart this morning that I want us to begin to pray about and consider is that we would be a church, that we would be a people full of faith this year. Right? That we would lean into what God wants to do, not what I want to see done. God, will you give us faith? Because if we have faith, you can do miracles in us. You can do the impossible around us, in our families, in our businesses, in our homes, in our hearts, but not if we don't have faith. If we don't have faith, what will God do? What did we learn about God? If there's no faith, what does he do? He moves on, doesn't he? My prayer, with all of my heart, that the Lord would not move on from South City church, but that he would see a people of faith and begin to do a work like we've never seen in this place. That is my prayer. That is my heart, and I pray that it's yours as well. Jesus moved on with the mission and purpose that he had. What is the mission and purpose of Jesus? We talked about this through a whole series, a pretty long series called Multiply, and we looked at this verse. I want to just bring it back to your attention as we get going this morning, Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That is the mission of Jesus. You want to know why he came? To seek and to save the lost. That is his heart. That is what he is doing in the world. That's what he wants to do through you and me and through our church. To seek and to save the lost. That is his mission. And so when people didn't move, people didn't believe, and he, didn't, he chose not to do miracles where he could have, he moved on in the mission and purpose that he's about. I don't know if you remember, the, the very first message I preached in the Multiply series was called the God of Mission. And the reason we called it that is because we need to understand this is not just some sort of strategy of a church. I think it'd be good if we went and just took this message to other people and to other lands and, and, and we started other churches and that's not our idea, friends. It's not, it's not some program of the church. It is the very heart of God Almighty. 
It is his heart. It's what beats in his heart the mission of God because he's the God of mission. He initiated sending Jesus to come and seek and save the lost. Right? It starts with him. It's God who so loved this world that he sent his one and only son. Right? No one would have to perish. That's his heart. That's God. That's the God of mission. I want us to uh, look at our text this morning. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Look with me in your Bibles if you have them this morning. Mark 6. We're going to look at the very last part of of verse 6, 6b, before we get on into our text for the day, 7 through 13. Look at this with me. Mark 6, 6 says, And he went about among the villages teaching, right? After they didn't believe, after he had even done miracles, after it says he has marveled at their lack of unbelief, he went about, he left among the villages, went among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick. And they healed them. Let's pray this morning, can we? Father, God of mission, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful privilege and opportunity we have with the glorious sunshine beaming in through that window. Representative of your grace over our hearts and your goodness in our lives. God, we worship you today. And we say thank you for the way you love us. And we, we want to say now, we believe. We have faith, God. We have seen you work. We have seen you move. And it has changed our lives. And I pray, God, that as we have been given this grace, that now we will see this ministry you've given us and we would give it away. God, I pray that you would use your word today in our hearts and in our lives in a way that changes us. That we can't leave here the same, God. But that we see who you're calling us to be in this mission you're calling us to be on. And you'd make us an obedient people to move forward. To follow you, to love you. Moving away from our preferences and what we think we need or what we want. And just going, Lord, you tell me what I need and helping us to trust you for everything we need to be dependent upon you. God, we love you. Spirit of the living God, would you move in our hearts? Convict us of sin. Draw us to yourself. Empower this time in your word. And may your Holy Spirit lead us to all truth. That is our prayer, God, that I would decrease and you would increase in this time by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's the first point this morning. Jesus is on a mission, right? He's been in his hometown. They didn't receive him. They didn't believe. He goes to the next town. I just think it's so interesting. He doesn't hold a seminar. He doesn't work a little harder so they'll believe. No, he, he, moves, he moves to the next town because he's on a mission. It's just a little tiny important part of this verse that, that Mark has included here. That Jesus moved on and went on about doing what he had been doing. Preaching, teaching, healing, bringing the kingdom of God to people in need who would believe. He moves on doing what he's been called to do and been sent to do. God is the God, like I said, he's the one who's initiated this mission. He is the God of mission. And that's exactly what we see him doing here, moving on. 
to seek and save the lost. Now, I don't know about you, but it would have been easy for me to get derailed. <laughs> Among these people who you love so much, right? Your, your family, Jesus had brothers and sisters, the text told us last week. Among the people you grew up with, among the people that you care for, if there's any town in, in Galilee that you want to do miracles, <laughs> it's Nazareth. If there's any town you want to see the Lord move and save your friends and family, it's Nazareth. And they say no. And so Jesus moves on because he is the God of mission. And he will be about moving on in that mission. I just got to believe that his heart was broken. That he would have felt in ways distracted from the mission, maybe. Discouraged. Derailed. And I just started thinking, how many of us, maybe, after this year, I don't know what this year has been like for you. I know for some of you it's been a rough year, 22. But many of you said to me, let's just get to 23. <laughs> right? Let's just start over. Let's see if this year will be different. And I just wonder if the difficulties of, of 2022 in some way has distracted or derailed or discouraged the heart of mission in you or me. Because we're just normal people. We're just ordinary people who get brokenhearted and discouraged and derailed and struggle. And we often forget the main thing in life, which is to know him and to make him known. That's what we're called to do. That's the reason there's breath in our lungs. And yes, God wants us to have an amazing life. But different and contrary to Joel Osteen, he's not called us to our best life. He's called us to a Christ life. He's called us to a life of knowing him. Right? He's called us to make life about him, not about us. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know, some of you are, are planners and the new year may be an exciting time for you to make new plans and this year's gonna be different. I bet some of you have already got gym memberships. It was great, awesome, stay with it, go for it. But the question I have for me and you this morning is, do your plans, do your dreams, and do your desires for this year include the mission of God? As you've been praying, as you've been seeking the Lord, as you've been thinking about what this year holds, is it about your business? Is it about your family? Is it about the vacation you're going to take? Or is it about the mission of God and that he has a desire to see people come to know him? Because it is the greatest, most important thing there is. Is it even on your radar? We recently just did a series that I really enjoyed and learned so much in. GPS and uh, learning about our gifts and our passions and our story, that God has uniquely uh, saved us and he's uniquely gifted us and, and impassioned us with different things that we're passionate about. And he's written different stories in each of us so that we can do different things for the kingdom of God. And it's amazing how he does that. And we're, we're created differently to do different aspects in the church. It's un unreal. And it's my prayer and hope that even as we studied Ephesians 2 and, and it talks about the fact that we're saved only by God's grace. And then after he saves us by his grace, he prepares us to walk in good works. Right? He prepares us to do things he has planned for us to do. Is that on your radar this year? Are you sitting down with the calendar going, okay, Lord, what have you created me for? What is my gifting? What am I passionate about? Who needs you, Jesus? And how will you use my days and my minutes and my weeks and my months this year to bring you glory in the mission of Jesus? How will you do it, Lord? Is it even on our radar, friends? You know, I want, I want you to, <laughs> to realize God is so good. And what I, what I love about our text this morning is that we see 12 very ordinary guys whose radar it wasn't on, okay? <laughs> Here they're traveling with Jesus, they're learning with Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus says, all right, guys, here we go. I'm sending you out two by two. 
And they're like, excuse me, pardon me? He says, you're going to heal. <laughs> you're going to preach. You're going to cast out demons. You might even raise somebody from the dead. <clears throat> what? Can you imagine being sitting in that room as a disciple? After seeing Jesus day after day, I don't know how long they've been with him, a year maybe, a year and a half. And they've seen him day after day do miracles and teach these messages and, and live among him. And he now believes they're ready to go and, and continue training. But up to this point, only Jesus has preached the gospel. Up to this point, only Jesus has healed people. Up to this point, only Jesus has healed lepers and crippled people and the blind and those in need. Only Jesus. And they're saying, you're telling me I can do that? Can you imagine how incredible that moment would have been? What I love about this text so much, and I don't believe it's a coincidence or an accident, is that God is giving us our vision as a church in this text today. I've learned over the last several years, you know, I'm, I'm an idea guy. I love to come up with ideas. I love to create. I love to dream. And early on in, in our church and in my time here, I have I've led with a lot of those, some of those giftings. And over the years, those giftings sometimes get weary and fall short. And what I love about teaching verse by verse in, in the Bible, which is what we're doing here in, in Mark, I don't set out, hey, this would be a good Let's do this message and these scriptures for this Sunday. I don't do that. We, we set out and we go, okay, what is, let's, just, let's teach through the book of Mark. And Lord, whatever you want to teach us, you'll teach us that on that day. And we trust him to teach us. Well, today, the Lord laid out for us what I believe is his heart for our church for 2023. And the, and the name of the message is Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. Because that's who you are. That's who I am. Ordinary people, not brilliant people, not amazing people, not unbelievably educated or perfectly wonderful people, just ordinary people. And we have different giftings and things that make us who we are, but God wants to use ordinary people. It's who the disciples were, but he's an extraordinary God, and what he can do with us is extraordinary if we'll let him, if we'll believe. So four things I want to bring out this morning in our text. Number one, Jesus is on a mission to seek and save the lost. The second thing I want you to see is he sends out the called. Well, who's that, right? Who are the called? Verse 7, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. I don't know if you've watched this, this television show, The Chosen. There are things I like about this show so much, and one of the things I like artistically about it is it helps us just get an idea of maybe what these disciples might have been like, just their humanity, if nothing else, just seeing their humanity. And I put this on our Facebook family page, this little piece of this episode where it shows the disciples being sent out by Jesus. And, and there's that moment where he says, I'm going to send you out and you're going to do miracles. And they go, and he, he literally stops talking and goes, what, why are you looking at me like that? Because they're so shocked, like, really? Me? And I love just this, the surprise and obvious tension and concern on their faces and hearts of, we're going to do these things? It's just, it's just an incredible moment. They had been training with Jesus. He had been teaching them. He had been modeling for them what it means to do this ministry, to preach this gospel, to do these works. He'd been doing it every day. Well, now he believes they can do it. They know how to act. They know how to live. And now they have to go in faith to believe that he will do what he said he would do. Were they surprised? <laughs> yep. Were they terrified? You better believe it. But they obeyed. They obeyed. They moved forward. You know what I love about the fact that we see this in Scripture and we can even see their concern throughout the Gospels of, of this story They wrestle with the difficulty of this moment. They had been trained, and yet now it's their turn. And yet I couldn't help but think, Lord, how long have I been trained? 
How long have you been trained? How long have you been in Sunday school? How long have you been in church? How long have you been equipped with the gospel and the truths of Jesus and modeled this life in Christ? How long? How many disciples have we made as a result? We need to make disciples. This is not just a a dead-end street where knowledge and information about discipleship comes to us and it ends and it dies. No, it's supposed to flow through us just as it is in this story. Jesus disciples, trains, teaches, empowers, and sends them out on mission. That's what he does with us. He's trained us. He's taught us. He's teaching us. And now we go. Now, they haven't been empowered by the Holy Spirit yet, right? Pentecost has not happened. So that means that their preaching was probably pretty clunky, of which I know you're used to, right? That means that their miracles... I love in The Chosen, the episode, it's episode four at the very beginning. Even if you just watch the first five minutes, it's worth it. Because it shows them out in scenarios doing these miracles. And at the very beginning, it shows, I think it's John who places his hand over somebody's eyes, and he's kind of like, is this going to work? He prays this prayer. It worked, you know. Of course he had faith, but he's also a human being going, God, you've entrusted me with this. And that's what it shows. It just shows us what we have to deal with because we too are disciples of Christ who've been given the great commission of Jesus just as they were. And he's called us to go. And it might be terrifying. And it might make you go, I don't know what I'm doing. And your messages might be clunky. But God has called you to go. He's called you to go. We see their faith (laughs) waver. We see their lives imperfect. We see questions and fear and doubt, and yet we see them struggle through obedience to do what God called them to do. Some of you are thinking, all right, maybe you're talking about people who are, when we say called, we know some some people are called to ministry, and and, and they're the ones that we send off to seminary. They're the ones that learn more. They, they go to higher education. We, we expect more of them. That, that must be who you're talking about, pastor, right? No. I want to clarify again for us what the Bible calls uh, ministry and who he expects to go into ministry because it's important for us to see this. I said this back in the Multiply series, this little phrase, if you're saved, you're sent. So are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you do, make no mistake, friend, you are sent on mission by God. There is no such thing in the Bible as laity, right? For 1,500 years, we've begun this dichotomy of of professional Christians who do ministry and the rest of us who just come and experience it. That guy's called, I'm not. No. That is not the Word of God. Look with me in, in the Bible, will you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that, that means if you're saved, if any of you are in Christ, if any of you know Jesus and you've been saved by his grace, you are a new creation, praise God. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Watch this. Not only did he save us and reconcile us to himself, but he also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 19. And then he explains it. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has given you a ministry. God has entrusted to you the message of reconciliation. Therefore, what do we do? We are ambassadors for Christ, uh, God making his appeal through us. Are you in ministry? Well, if you know Jesus, you're supposed to be. If you know Christ as your Savior, God wants to make an appeal through your life to those that don't know him. You are on mission You have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. There is no, I just need to go to church. Teach me something. 
that doesn't exist in the scriptures. It exists in America. It doesn't exist in the Bible. Uh, Daryl told me this, by the way, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, tell him happy birthday later. Give him a squeeze if you would. But he told me this funny story a while back. He said um, he had heard the story of these three old men, almost 90 years old, right? And they had all been in Sunday school together for years, 20, 30 years they've been in Sunday school together. And their teacher, which was one of the three of them, passed away. Of course, they were heartbroken. They lost their teacher and friend. They went to the pastor and said, hey, Brother Bob, our Sunday school teacher has passed away. Who's going to be our new Sunday school teacher? And he said, the pastor went, nobody. How long have you been in Sunday school? How long have you learned? You're 90 years old. At what point can you teach each other? At what point do you know something that you can train, that you can give, that you can go? But it's a funny story because it, 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 it lays out for us kind of some of what our understanding of the church is. I just come and get something, don't I? I'm not just come and receive it. And I sure hope the music is amazing and I hope the preaching is great and I hope the coffee's good and every. Friends, God has got so much more for you than to entertain you on a Sunday morning. This moment, this day is not about you or me, it's about Jesus. Knowing him and making him known. Everything, it's about knowing him and making him known. May he continue to move us out of our preferences and into the preaching of the gospel. Because we all have the ministry of reconciliation and the message that God wants to make us appeal through us about it. So Jesus sends out these disciples. He sends them out two by two. I just want to break down some of these specifics in, in our text. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4 says that, right? If one falls down, then his brother is able to pick him up. Jesus knows that they're going to be safer with two instead of one. He knows that, that there's going to be accountability because we're just ordinary human fallen men. There's accountability with, with two more than there is with one. There's also a piece uh, of the law in Exodus 19 speaks of the fact that there is a legal uh, witness of two. Right? So there's something, even a, a legal moment, as they proclaim the gospel, they're doing so as a legal witness under Jewish law. Or if somebody brings a, a something against them, there's at least two of them to give an account of what has really happened. So Jesus is thinking of all these different aspects, but obviously it teaches us that mission ought to happen in community together. That's what our triads are. That's what our city groups are. Accountability, encouragement, community for mission. Of course, the, the synoptic gospels teach this story. So in Mark, we're, the one we're looking through, Jesus says, you're going to be able to cast out demons. Well, in Luke uh, chapter 9, he says, you're also going to be able to cure diseases and, and heal people. And in Matthew 10, he says, you're, you're also going to be able to raise the dead. So with all these gospels, we begin to see that apart from forgiving sin, these guys are going to be able to do all that Jesus has done. Amazing. He is giving them the authority to do these miracles and these signs and wonders. But why? Is it just for a good show? Right? What, what's the purpose? It's the same purpose that Jesus does miracles. So as he heals people, as he does these, these amazing things, those signs, those wonders, those miracles give credibility to who he is and to the message that he brings. Right? He's helping people experience the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So as he sends out the disciples and they heal people, the experience of the kingdom of God, somebody being healed, the miracle of the guy you've known your whole life that couldn't walk now standing up and jumping like a deer, that's now going to give credibility to Jesus as Messiah. Isn't that what he said to the paralytic? Before he healed him, he said, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, so that you know I can forgive sins, get up and take your mat and go home. In other words, I'm going to let this visible miracle give credibility to this invisible miracle in your soul. So that you know that I'm Messiah. So now these disciples have this same ability to do visible miracles that give credibility to the invisible miracle of the kingdom of God and salvation in the hearts of people. See that? 
That's the reason they have this power, ushering in the kingdom of God, seeing people come to know Jesus. Now, a couple of just quick things I want to make sure we understand. It's important that when we study Scripture, that there, and we've talked about this before, sometimes we see Scripture, we can see it um, descriptively, or in other words, where it describes what happened historically or whatever happened in that thing we're studying. And sometimes we see it prescriptively. In other words, we can learn something from what we're reading about, about the text. Same thing for this today. There are things we can glean from this story of the disciples, right, about the fact that they're just ordinary people and God can use them in mission. We can, that can be prescribed to us. That is true of us. The fact that they go obediently, we need to go obediently. The fact that they have faith and the fact that they move forward and they preach, we can learn those things. But there is something descriptive here too. And that is that these are the 12 capital A apostles. They are special. They are unique. So their gift of healing, raising people from the dead, the signs and wonders is unique to them specifically. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, with the end of the apostolic era and the canon of scripture fully revealed, right? The, the word is now closed the authenticating and miraculous signs no longer exist. So this is not something that, that has to, we, we think that, and I wish it did. I was with my brother-in-law last week in, the, in a cancer ward in a hospital. And all that is within me wishes I had the ability to go, be healed, brother. And I would have walked to every room and I would have cleared that place out and I would have gone to the hospital next door. But God has not given us that ability. So then you ask, well, does God still do miracles? Yes. Does God still do signs and wonders? Yes, I believe he does. He does them in you. He does them in your heart, in your life. So now you are what gives a visible, credible witness to who Jesus is, right? That's who you are. So if somebody knew you before you knew Christ, and now you know Christ, they ought to be able to go, <laughs> wait a second, what happened to you, right? Something miraculous happened in your life, and I want to know what happened to you so that it can happen to me. You are now the miracle. You, you showing who Jesus is in and through you, and the change in you is now the wonder of the grace of our God that he wants to show to this world. So Jesus is on a mission, and he sends out the called, and then he gives some really specific instructions, verse eight. He charged them to take nothing for their journey. Try to put yourself in their shoes right there. Take nothing for your journey. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. Wear your sandals, but don't put on two tunics. Don't take, don't take a, a change of clothes. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. What's Jesus doing? He's training. This is a training exercise. He's very serious. He's very specific about what he wants them to learn. And what is that? Again, what he wants us to learn. And that is to be dependent upon God alone. As you go, you don't have all the things that you're going to need. You're going to need some things that you don't have. Don't take them with you. God will provide. Hey, what if I told you we're doing that today? Hey, we're going to do a little exercise today. Everybody take your coats off. Leave your cars here. Just, we're just going to go. We're going to walk. We're going to I mean, begin to think about what they're thinking about. And we're not talking about down the street. We're talking about long distances wearing the clothes on their back with no money or no food, forcing them to get to the place where they go, God, we're, we're hungry. We need you to provide. We need you to meet our need here. And that's exactly what he does. Isn't it what Jesus said in the Great Commission at the very end? He said, go and make disciples. But at the very end, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, right? He is always with us. Why? Because it's his mission. He knows our needs. He knows what we're going to need as we move forward. And he's proven that to us in our church and in our families and each of us, undoubtedly. 
It's no different than what he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 31, he says, don't be anxious uh, for what you see here. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The disciples and we have to learn that God is enough. He's all we need. And as your heart questions in fear, Lord, I don't know how to move forward in mission, be reminded that he's all you need and he's with you. Everything you need, he provides. Jesus also wanted to make a distinction that you won't have money and you're not going to ask for money. Because there were ministers who did travel and did ask for money. And they would use it for selfish gain. And they would pack their belts with money and silver and gold and copper. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You're going to be different. Let people see it's not about the money. right? They'll provide for you, but you're not going to take money with you. We don't want this to be about status. Can you imagine if you can heal people, as you begin to heal people, then they would say, hey, aren't you staying in that little shack on the outskirts of town? You need to come over. I've got a mansion over here. You're the healing guy. Come over here to the mansion. But Jesus said, stay put. Because it's not about your status. And it's not about money. And it's not about self-interest. It's about giving what you've received. You've been given freely, he says in Matthew 10. So freely give. What you've been given freely, now you give freely. Don't be associated with false teachers who just work for selfish gain and better accommodations. There's also a piece of this instruction that Jesus gives that's a very serious one. It's one that has to do with judgment. Verse 11, it says, If any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Now, I want you to notice, Jesus didn't choose 15 disciples, did he? Or 10. He chose 12. Why? Well, there's a reason. He's making a statement to Israel, right? To the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, in Matthew 10, he says, as he's sending them out two by two, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of Israel. He's making a statement about the, the waywardness, the lostness of these 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, I've got 12 new leaders, and these leaders are going to lead a new movement. My church, they will be in charge. They will lead. They will go. And we're going to do a new thing in my name and in my blood, this new covenant. So he's making a statement, even just with the 12 disciples. But he says, shake the dust off your feet. Now, to Americans, that doesn't mean anything to us, really. It's not a cultural reality that most of us understand. But in first century Jerusalem and, and Israel, Jews, if they had been in a foreign land and they came back into a Jewish territory, they'd take their sandals off and they'd shake the dust off and put their feet back in. What it was symbolizing is, I'm not bringing any of the pagan religion. I'm not bringing any of these ungodly practices with me back into this Jewish territory. But Jesus takes something that's familiar to them in this cultural tradition, and he changes the meaning just a little bit. He says, if they don't receive you, if they don't receive the gospel, shake your, your sandals off and move on, which is basically exactly what he's done in Nazareth. They didn't accept. They didn't believe. I had to move on. So this is, this is a judgment against people who do not accept or receive the gospel of Jesus. Can I tell you this? And we have to deal with this too as disciples on mission for Jesus. It's a two-sided coin. One side of the coin is the hope and glory and beauty of the gospel of Jesus that is inclusive, saves anyone. No matter what you've done or where you've been, if you come in faith and repentance, God saves you. He will save you. But the other side of the coin is a judgment which says if you don't believe, if you don't accept the gift of God's Son and salvation, you will face judgment. You will face a very real place called hell. 
And so he says, shake off your sandals as a, as a sign of judgment and let them know you have given them this truth. They are making their choice to accept this message or to deny it. It's a, it's a harsh thing. Can I just comfort our hearts and say, and I'm so thankful for this. We're not responsible for the outcome. I'm so thankful for that. God knows I would pick certain people for hell, <laughs> certain people for heaven. That's not, I'm not the one who makes that decision. But you know what God has called me to and you to? To take that message. To be faithful with this gospel. And God makes the decision on who he saves. Right? God makes this decision. So we, we give the gospel to everyone. And we pray for them to accept it and receive it. But ultimately, the outcome is the Lord's. And here's the last point this morning. The disciples simply obeyed. Verse 12. Look what it says, just very simply. So they went out. I mean, just, just as simple as it can be. Jesus says, I'm sending you out, and what do they do? They go out. And they do what he says to do, proclaiming that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. I, 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 love, I love this moment because they're just walking, even as clunky and, and, and with insecurity and fear about themselves and their faith wavering and their struggling and their mistakes and them knowing their past as I know mine and I can say, I am unworthy. I gotta tell you this week, I have felt so inadequate to preach this today and every Sunday. And it's like the Lord says, well, this message then is for you too. Because I use ordinary people who say yes. I use people <laughs> that the world would say, that, that doesn't make sense to me, but God said he's going to use them. That's you. And that's me. And that's the disciples going, Lord, how could you use someone like me? And yet he's using them. They went, they proclaimed the gospel, and people repented. That's, we, that's a whole message within itself, right? We don't just go to our neighbors and go to the world and try to get them to pray some prayer with us. No, we want to see them to a place of repentance, which means they turn from who they've been and begin to follow Christ. Their life proves their faith. That's what repentance is. Lord, we repent. We're sorry. I want to follow you. And so they proclaimed the word of God and people began to repent and they healed and cast out demons. They did everything Jesus said that they would do. They obeyed the Lord and they moved the mission of Jesus forward. You know, I was praying about this message and um, praying for today and praying for for you and for me, and honestly, there was a moment in my prayer and I said, Lord, I feel like a broken record. Some of you go, yeah, we, we think the same thing. I said, God, how many times do I need to preach the Great Commission? How many times do I need to say, we have to go? It's not enough to just come, we have to go, we have to go. We have to go. And I said, Lord, how many times? I've been preaching this message over and over for six years. And I felt like the Spirit said, the people know they have to go. Many of them have just said no. And it broke my heart. And I know that in many ways I've said no at different times in my life. And so this morning I want you to know that my call to you is twofold. Will you be about the mission of Jesus? Will you say yes to the Great Commission and be a disciple who make disciples? But the other side of my call for you this morning is this. If you've said no, will you say, God, I'm sorry? Maybe this needs to be a time of repentance. God, I, I have heard the call. I do know I'm supposed to go. And I also know that I haven't gone. I also know that I don't care. I also know that it's not on my radar. Forgive me. Maybe that needs to be our prayer this morning.
Because, friends, we have no choice. We have to advance the mission of Jesus. Period. Success is not a church full of people. Success is not a big choir. Success is not a blowing and going men's ministry and women's ministry. No, success is believers in Jesus, owning the mission of Jesus, and going into the world to take the gospel of Jesus so that men and women and children may repent and know him. I don't know what this time as we close needs to be for you. But I'll tell you this, after I prayed that, the Lord showed me this verse, reminded me of this verse. And it's such an encouragement in the way that he does this. I want to show you one more verse, at least. Matthew 28, 16. This is literally the verse before the Great Commission. <laughs> just, just think about that for a second. This is literally the verse before the Great Commission. Look what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Right? They're going, this is about to be the Great Commission. Verse 17, and, they, and when they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him. But what? Some doubted. This is the 11 disciples who've been 40 days with a resurrected Jesus. Are you kidding me? They saw him crucified and his dead body in a tomb and they've seen him resurrected and they've seen countless miracles. And they get to the mountain and some worship and some doubted and I said, Lord, that's just like this Sunday morning. Because some of us are going, yes, mission, mission, let's go, let's go, let's reach our neighbor, let's reach our coworker, let's disciple our children, let's be a church that our heart beats discipleship. And there's some of us that are going, I don't know. I don't know how. I'm worried and I'm doubting. Well, can I just encourage you as we finish up today? We know because of church history and, and tradition that these 11 at some point stopped doubting. <laughs> and they faithfully carried the gospel of Jesus to the world to their death. All but John. And John lived a, a, an old age in prison where he died in prison, right? Like, the good news here, what I'm trying to tell you is even if you're doubting and even if you're struggling, Lord, I'm not sure how to carry this mission forward. Even if I've been disobedient, they moved it forward. They were obedient. They got past the doubting and God used these ordinary people God is the God of mission. It's his mission. He will not leave us alone. Let's be dependent upon him. He calls believers to this mission. Let's trust him. Let's give. Let's serve. Let's find people of peace who will accept this message. And, and, and a person of peace is somebody who helps us get that message to their family and their networks. And let's take serious this gospel message because People who haven't heard it, friends, and people who reject it will face a judgment that is terrifying. But you have the answer. You have what they need. Some of you say, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I'm look at one last verse with you. Acts 4.13, one of my favorites. This is Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin preaching the gospel of Jesus to these men. And verse 13 says that when the Sanhedrin saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You don't have to be a seminary graduate. You don't have to officially have made a calling to follow Christ in the ministry full time. No, if you're saved, you're sent. Have you been with Jesus? Can we let our, our goal this year be, God, I just want to be with you. I want to be an ordinary person that you use for your glory and the world astonish at what you're doing in me. The miracle that gives credibility to who you are 
so that people may know you. And my prayer is, God, what will you do with an ordinary people who believe, who have faith that you can do anything with anybody? That's our story today, right? It's the disciples going, You're gonna, we're going to do what? And Jesus said, yeah. And they begin to move forward clunky, fearful, but in faith and in obedience. And may we love the Lord enough to be obedient to him. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. And friends, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And if we love the Lord, may we move forward in obedience to his command. Father God, we come to you this morning just regular people just broken people people who've made a lot of mistakes people who struggle in their faith people who have a lot of questions people who at times deny you and question you and I'm just describing your disciples, but I can also describe the people in this room and, and the one on this stage. And yet, we move forward in obedience. God, it's not enough just to do church. It's not enough. Will you break our hearts, God, for what breaks yours? God, will you see our purpose? Will you help us see our purpose? And our mission is not just happiness or success or there's little trouble and, and health problems as we No, our purpose is to know you and make you known. You say in Ephesians 2 that we're masterpieces because you've saved us and prepared us for great works that we would walk in them. And God, I pray with all of my heart, that South City Church in Little Rock, Arkansas would be a people full of faith, not a building, not a service, but a people full of faith, saying, Lord, how do you use me? May I start every day this year in your word and my heart open to you in prayer, saying, God, would you use me to seek and to save that which is lost? The mission of God, may it be mine. May I own it and may I live it and walk it out. Oh, God, please help us to move forward in obedience, even as slowly or even as difficult as we've made it. Move us forward, light a fire, spirit of the living God in us, and change our hearts and change this world for your glory. That is our prayer. That is our prayer. In Jesus', Jesus precious name, amen.